You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. What we celebrate on Christmas that God came down. God is with us. And it isn't that He came down 2,000 years ago, but God is here now in this place. God has been here in this place. We just wanted to open your eyes to see it. And I believe tonight that God wants to do a miracle in your life. I believe tonight He wants to set some of you free from some of the things you've been chasing and coming up empty. God wants to set you free from some of the addiction that has you bound. God wants to deliver you from the depression and the anxiety. God wants to give you a peace that lasts, a joy that isn't fleeting. And if you'll meet Him here in this place tonight, I believe you'll see what you've been searching for. God, I pray that you meet us here in this place. We've come ready. We've come expectant. I pray that you prepare our hearts and minds to hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You could go ahead and take your seat. Man, I love some of the rowdiness in here. Can y'all be rowdy during the sermon? Good. I just preach better when you're rowdy like that. So welcome. Welcome to Christmas Eve at the Rising. How y'all doing? Good. Good, good, good. Man, I love, I love Christmas Eve. We're actually uh, concluding this series that we've been in called Finding Jesus. Finding Jesus, finding Jesus. You know, I spend an inordinate amount of my time trying to find some things that are lost. Is that, is that anybody else? I don't, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the video on the YouTube where the makers have gotten together a bunch of jelly beans. And um, They said every jelly bean represents a day in the average person's life. And they said the average person has so many jelly beans, so many days that they're going to live. And they're asking you, what are you going to do with the days of your life? And and as the video goes on, um, they start counting off jelly beans and explain that the average person sleeps for 8,477 days. That's over 23 years of sleeping. I hope you got a comfortable bed. This is one of the reasons why you should splurge on sheets, 1,000 thread count or above, that's it. They said that the average person spends about four and a half years of their life eating, drinking, and making food. That's why you should eat great food and drink some great drinks. Come on, somebody, give me an old-fashioned. There's, there's 1,635 days that we eat and drink. We work 3,202 days. That's almost nine years when you add it all up. And some of you are like, wait, hold on, I work for about 40 or 50 years, that doesn't make sense. But when you add up all the hours consecutively, the average person only works about nine years. What are you complaining about? That's it. But they didn't cover how much time somebody spends looking for things. And if I were to guess, I'd, I'd guess that I spend about 547 jelly beans looking for things in my life. That's about a year and a half of my life is taken up looking for things. Like, like, like one of the things um, that I'm constantly looking for is my wallet. And um, 
I have three or four spots in our house or in my car that I put in my wallet. I won't tell you where that is just in case you come over our house. But I got about three or four spots that I put in my wallet. And if I can't find it, I check in those three or four spots and typically I find it. And it only takes me a couple minutes to find my wallet. But all those minutes added up uh, amounts to several jelly beans of my life. Uh, another thing that I spend a lot of time searching for are keys. N not my keys, um, because we have a designated space in our house where we hang our keys. Um, I spend an inordinate amount of time looking for my wife's keys, um, because it seems like she wants to find creative places to hide her keys every single day. So we, it, it, it's like she wants the adventure to last in our relationship, and she's like, let's go on a scavenger hunt every day to try and find these keys. And so I spend, um, Days and days of my life looking for keys. Uh, another thing that I often misplace and try and find is my phone. And uh, thank God for iCloud and find my phone, right? Because I just log on and I have it playing the beep all the time. I can't ever find my phone. Uh, another thing that, that I often misplace is, um, so I said keys, wallet, phone, the remote. Does anybody else spend a lot of time looking for their TV remote? Now, maybe you call it a clicker, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But, but, but we spend a bunch of time looking for the remote. And I know growing up in our family, we used to call it the TV thing. That's what we called it. We don't call it that now. But, but we used to say, do you know where the TV thing is? So we always look for the remote. And I remember I went to Dave's house. He's my brother-in-law. He was up here on stage earlier. Um, he, um, I went over to his house one time, and they brought out their remote, and it was this massive gargantuan rectangle. And they went out and bought this iPad-sized remote because they always lost it. Is that anybody else? Just spend a ton of time. And it's so frustrating because you're like, I want to watch Netflix, but I can't until I find the remote. So we, we spend a ton of time trying to find the remote. Another thing that we try to find in our house is socks. Come on. See, in our house, every time we do laundry, it's like a Where's Waldo search for socks. Um, we're trying to find the matching socks. Not me, all my socks match. They're all the same color. It's my wife's socks and my kids' socks. I love them so much. But their socks are unique. Their socks are different colors, different patterns, and so we gotta find the right socks. And if we can't find them, then we put them in our laundry basket. Right now, no lie, we have a pile of unmatched socks in our laundry, laundry basket. This is, this is the place where socks go to die, right? This is the place of the lonely socks. And eventually, I don't know if you do this, eventually after several weeks of searching, if we haven't found the match, we throw them out. And then we buy all new socks. Is that just us? Some of y'all don't care. You're like, I'll wear mixed match socks. Not my kids. They're wearing matching socks. And then the, the, the last thing I'll, I'll share with you is this, and, and if, you're, if you're a female, you understand this, or if you're married to a female, or you, you have a daughter in the house, you, you probably understand this. Another thing that I spend a ton of time searching for are hairbrushes. Like, I'm always looking for hairbrushes. We, we have lost and bought, like, a semester's worth of hairbrushes in our house. Like, there's gonna be a day where my daughter's gonna have to take off for a semester when she's in college. She's gonna be like, why, Daddy? I'm like, because you lost all your hairbrushes and we had to buy them. That's why. I mean, th th there was this one time, I bought two identical hairbrushes and I gave them to the girls in our house, my wife and my daughter. I said, this is your hairbrush. Keep track of it. And then I took the other hairbrush, I put it in the glove compartment of my car so I knew where it was if they ever needed a hairbrush. And both of those hairbrushes are gone. I have no idea where they are. It got so bad, I started researching like dad hacks online to how to keep hairbrushes. And so I came across this one and 
um, what he did was he like mounted the hairbrush to the wall. So it's like, let's give that a shot. That hairbrush has gone missing too. Like I spend, you spend, we spend so much time of our life looking for things that have gone missing. We're searching for things. We're, we're looking for things. And, and we've spent hours, we've spent days searching, trying to find something. But, but here's the thing. We're not always trying to find something tangible. Sometimes we spend all this time searching for some intangible things. This is why you're dating the person you're dating right now. Because even though you feel like you're compromising your standards, you're compromising your morals and your values, at least you're not lonely. And so you've ended up with this person and they don't really make you happy. You got all kinds of red flags in your relationship. But at least I feel loved. If, at least I feel like somebody wants to be with me. So you found that in that person. This is, this is the reason why we post some of the things that we post. It's the reason why we check the gram on a regular basis to see how many hearts we got. Because what we're looking is f f for is validation. We're, 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 we're looking for someone to notice us. We're, we're looking for someone to like us and say, you are good. And that's why we post some of what we post. This is why we buy some of what we buy, so that we can, we can feel like we've made it, we can feel successful, we get this rush when we buy something, and that's what we're looking for, is just this euphoria of, wow, I've made it, I've arrived. But how many of you know that, that oftentimes when we settle for things like that, it just lets us down? It just, it just lets us down. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes we do find what we're looking for, in some of these things, uh, but it's temporary. Uh, and, so, and so you find great pride in your job. You find this great sense of satisfaction, this, this worth, this meaning that you feel in your job. But when the job is gone, it all collapses. It all comes crashing down. See, when you no longer have the career, the sense of, of worth that you felt is, is gone because it was tied to the career. I know, I know this was me for so long. See, for so many years, I tied up who I was into what I did. And I felt like if what I did was going well, then who I was was really well. And as a pastor, it's, it, it's wrecking for me. Because if I showed up and we had a great Sunday and attendance was up and offerings was up and, and people were happy and everybody was getting along and people were signing up for groups and people were serving, then awesome, I'm doing great. Look at me, how great am I? But then there were Sundays where the attendance was low the offering sucked. People weren't serving. People left for whatever reason. And it's like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get this right? How come I'm such a failure? Does anybody else tie up their identity with what they do? Can I just let you know tonight that what you do is not who you are? But if what you're searching for is validation in what you do, it'll come crashing down when what you do suffers and falters. See, we, we, we try and find um, what we're looking for, this, this sense of success and money. I mean, if I could just make more money, if I could just buy whatever it is I want to buy, then I'll be successful. Then I would have made it. If I could just get a little more, then I'm good. But the problem is when the money isn't there or when the debt starts mounting up so that we can keep up with the lifestyle. And then we feel like, what? what, what it, it's fleeting. It, it's temporary. The same is true in the relationship that you're in. In the friendship, in the marriage, when you're looking for someone to complete you and make you whole, and then your spouse comes to you and says, I've been seeing somebody else. When your friend turns their back on you and they ghost on you, they don't want to talk to you anymore because you offended them. 
when the relationship was just a one-night stand and it's all over. Like, it's in these moments, the things that we're really searching for, validation, meaning, security, hope, peace, joy, purpose, when we try and find it in all these other things, it ends up being fleeting. And it's gone when they're gone. And, and some of us, some of us, I just want to dare to say this, some of us try to find the hope and the meaning and the purpose and the peace and the joy that we're longing for. By the way, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, that's what I'm looking for. But we try and find those things even in God. And if we're open, if we're real, for real, for real, some of us have found God and we'd still say that we're stagnant. We'd still say that we feel like something's missing, like something isn't complete. And can I suggest to you tonight that if you've found God, but you feel incomplete, you feel lacking, you feel like there's some things missing, can I suggest to you that maybe you found the wrong God? Maybe you've been searching, and yes, you found God, but the God you found is a counterfeit. Because the God that you found and the God that you're following is this God of rules and ritual and religion. And this God says, if you would just say these prayers this many times, then you'd be forgiven. If you just show up and do this and jump through these hoops, then you'd find peace and hope. For, for some of us, this is the God that we found, and this is the God that we're following. Or maybe, maybe for you, the God that you found is this God who's distant. He's swirling off in the distance, and he just seems pissed off all the time. He's more like Santa Claus, right? He has a list, and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. And you better do more nice stuff than naughty stuff if you want to stay on God's good side. This is, this is the God that some of us follow. And so if I could just do more, if I could just be good, if I could just be better, then God would love me, or at least like me, because God's supposed to love me, but does he like me? For, for others, maybe the God that you found and the God that you're following is, is this like old wizard king who sits on a throne in the sky somewhere and he offers this sagely advice that, that maybe you could take if you want to try it one day, maybe if you read his Bible and you, and, you, and you agree with it and you think about it and you'll give it a shot. And, and so this is God for you. And it's just this, this God in the sky who gives suggestions. And, and, and because of that, I mean, you don't always follow him. You don't always do what he says. And, and because of that, you, 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 you come up empty and you're wondering, well, what's wrong with me? Or maybe, maybe the God that you found and the God that you're following is this one who inspires you and he motivates you and you come to church and you say, this is so great. This is so awesome. I love it. In the spiritual stuff, in the spiritual stuff, you love it. You're more than a conqueror. You can overcome. Jesus conquered the grave. Woohoo! But when it comes to practical, everyday, real life stuff, we're like, God, you handle the spiritual stuff, I'll handle my money. God, you handle the spiritual stuff. I'll do what I want to do in my relationships. You handle the spiritual stuff. God, I'm going to handle what I want to handle in my mental health. You handle the spiritual stuff. God, when it comes to boundaries and everyday real life, when it comes to my job, I'll do what I think is best. And so sure, you found God, but can I suggest the reason why you still feel empty, why you still feel lacking, why you still feel like, oh, God doesn't fulfill me, is because maybe you found a counterfeit God. Maybe you found and are following the God who's not real. See, here's what I believe. I believe that everything you long for, everything you desire, everything you're searching for is found 
in Jesus. And Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God born of a virgin. Jesus is God who lived on this earth with us. And everything we long for is found in this one person, Jesus. And the question I want to ask you tonight is, have you, have you met him? Have you met him? Not, not do you know about him. Not did you go to a confirmation class and learn some stuff about him. Not, not did you go to church and, and believe that he existed. I'm wondering, have you met him? Is he real to you in your life here and now? Not just as a historical figure who lived so long ago, but as the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the healer, the great physician, the author of life, the one who was born of a virgin. Have you met him? And do you know him? Because it's when you meet him and you know him and you say yes to him and you follow him. That everything, everything, everything changes. Here's what I love about Christmas. Christmas is this built-in reminder for us that there is a God who loves us. Christmas is this built-in reminder for us every single year that there's a God who came down. But I wonder how many of us miss that because we're wondering, how many presents did I get and how many did you get and I still got to buy something for Aunt Beth and... I wonder how many of us miss the Savior, the God who came down, the baby in a manger. How many of us miss this because we're so busy with the parties and the decorations and the chaos of Christmas? See, you're searching for something. That's why you came to church on Christmas Eve. And you're in the right place at the right time to see the Savior. I want to I show them to you real quick. See, Christmas is so fascinating to me because it's God coming down to us, God coming down to earth, God being born in the flesh. See, if I was God and I was making my appearance to earth, I wouldn't do it the way that God did it, right? I mean, if I was God, because God is larger than life, I would come down in a larger than life way. I, I would have a neon glowing escalator come down from the sky with me riding down, and I have angels on each side singing my praises and singing how awesome I am. There'd be fireworks in the sky. There'd be angels flying over with cloud smoke behind them, and everyone would know that I was God. There'd be this PA announcement that shook the world to say, God is now with you. That's how I'd come down. Thank God I'm not God. But the way God chooses to come down is this. God makes an announcement to this poor teenage girl, poor poverty, a girl impoverished, teenage girl, pleasure to be married to this guy, Joseph. He says, you're going to bear my son. And there's scandal there. Because who's going to believe a virgin birth? Come on now. The odds are stacked against them. But this is the way God chose to be born. God chose to be born of this poor teenage girl in scandal where Mary and Joseph most likely are outcast by their family because when Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the scriptures say there's no room for them. So she gives birth to Jesus and places him in a manger. When we think of a manger, we think of this nice, cute, cuddly wooden box with warm hay for a bed. No. Like a manger was a feeding trough. The Son of God is born in a barn, and he's placed in a manger. 
And the only people who are told about this are some shepherds somewhere. Nasty, stinky shepherds with sheep that are dumb. And the shepherds come and say, this is how God makes his entrance into the world. He's born in the mess. See, if I was going to be born, okay, okay, I'd come down with the escalator. That's the way to come. But if I was going to be born into the world, like I wouldn't be born 2,000 years ago, and I wouldn't be born in the way that God was born. Instead, I'd choose to be born in 2020 to royalty in a palace so that I can be pampered and taken care of and grow up with the luxury of indoor plumbing and heating and AC, but not God. God says, I'll be born to this couple who doesn't have it all together, this couple that's poor. I'll be born in a place where there's no room for me, and they're going to place me in a feeding trough with the animals. I'm going to be born in the mess. And then what we read in the scriptures is that uh, from Jesus' birth, from his first days, King Herod wants to kill him. So his parents have to go on the run. They become refugees. God said, I'll be a refugee. I'll be one of the people people forget. I'll be born as one of the people that nobody takes notice of. I'll be one of the people that people look at and see as a problem, as a nuisance. That's how I'll be born. Why? Why? Like, like, God, you can be born any way that you want. Why would you choose this way? Here's why. God chose to be born in the mess. The mess of the manger. The mess of this relationship with Mary and Joseph. The mess of poverty. The mess of being a refugee. God chose to be born in scandal. So that he could stand with you in your mess. And say, I get it. I get it. I get it. Like, whatever you've been through, however the cards were stacked against you, whatever the odds were against you, I get it. See, God is not some distant, far-off God who, who stands out there. He's a God who comes near. He says, I will be born in the mess so that I can stand with you in the midst of your mess and identify and relate and so that you can know that I know it's so fascinating to me, um, a friend of mine who's part of this church, I was asking him about bringing people to Christmas Eve. I said, who are you bringing? He said, man, I gave out all those invite cards. I gave them to everybody at my work, and they all said the same thing. Man, if I walked into your church, the building would burn down. But they don't get it. They don't get it. And I wish they did come today so that they could hear and they could know that God is not a God who looks at you with fire raining down, but God looks at you to say, I know what you've been through. I get it. That's why I was born in the midst of the mess. And God, because he was born in the midst of the mess, in this messy situation, he can enter into your messy marriage. Because he was born in the mess of the manger, you don't have to worry about your doubts intimidating God because he can enter into that messiness. Your insecurity doesn't make God uneasy. Your broken thoughts don't frighten God. God arrived in a barn so that he could show you that he'll arrive in whatever you face in life, no matter how unpleasant, how precarious, how chaotic or disastrous. If God was born in a barn, he'll meet you right where you are. And I believe... You're here tonight so you can find what you've been looking for your whole life. 
a God who comes near and says, I love you, and I care for you, and I accept you for who you are and not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. I believe that you've come here tonight so that you could find the God who's been searching for you your whole life, who's been calling to you, bringing you here. This is not an accident you're here tonight. It's not a coincidence that you're here tonight, but you're here tonight so that you can meet a God who says, I love you no matter who you are, where you've been, and what you've done. You were born in a mess, so was I. You had a broken home, I get it. You struggle with some stuff, hey, I met some people like that. I was in the midst of it. The message of Christmas is that we serve a God who has come down, who loves us, who knows us, who identifies with us. I says, same here. Now let me meet you where you are. But here's, here's the great thing about Christmas. I mean, it's already good news that we serve a God who's come down. Here's, here's what's even greater. It's not just that God would come down and be born in the mess, because the story continues. See, Jesus was born of a virgin and then he grew up to live a perfect life, a life we can't live. Ultimately, so that he could go to the cross, face the mess of the cross, and take our messiness on him. See, Jesus went to the cross to take your mess on him, to take your sin on him, your shortcoming, your faults, your flaws, your failures, everything you regret. The reason Jesus was born was ultimately so he could go to the cross and as he endured the messiness of the cross, he gave up his life in place of yours. He paid his life for your life. He took your sin on so that it could be paid for. And when Jesus died on the cross, this isn't an Easter sermon, it's a Christmas sermon. When Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in a tomb. But he wasn't going to need that tomb for very long. He was just borrowing it. It was on loan. It was tomb B&B. That's what it was. Because three days later... He rose from the grave. He kicked the stone aside and conquered the grave. He conquered hell and death so that he could have victory and triumph over the mess. And this is the good news of Christmas. Not just that God was born into the mess, but that he rose again from the dead. And watch this. If Jesus rose again from the dead, if he rose up out of the mess, it means that he can meet you in your mess and help you rise up too. He can meet you in your mess and help you rise up too. The beauty of Christmas, the story of Christmas, is that God sinks down into the mess of your depression and says, come on, rise up. I want to help you overcome. The beauty of Christmas is God says, I'm going to sink down into the mess of your anxiety and say, rise up, let's overcome. God meets us in the mess of our anger, our rage, our fear, our insecurity, our hopelessness, and he says, come on, rise up. I know how to rise. We are the rising. We're rising tonight into victory. This is the message of Christmas. That God was born in the mess so that he can help us rise up and experience life to the full. Listen, I don't know what you brought here tonight. I don't know what you've been going through in your life. I don't know what you've been experiencing. I don't know who God is to you, if he's some byproduct, some afterthought. But my hope is tonight you would find him. My hope is tonight you would find him. And you would know that he loves you. 
and he cares for you, and he calls you to not settle for the mess you've been settling for. He brings life to the full, and he extends the invitation for you to come to him today. So I want to give you that chance today. When you came in, you received some note cards, and at the bottom of that note card is a connect card. There's a box on that connect card that says, I'm going to know more about baptism. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to say, Jesus, I want to believe in you, follow you, and be immersed into you, my hope is that tonight would be the night. My hope is that this wouldn't just be some Christmas Eve church service that you came to out of obligation or out of ritual. Maybe you've done that in years past. My hope is that tonight would be a night that you could look back and say, that was a night my life was forever changed because I knew about Jesus, but that Christmas Eve, I found him. I found him. The announcement was made that Jesus was going to be born. Mary and Joseph made a journey so that he could be born. And then he arrived that Christmas night. I wonder, has Jesus arrived in your life? Have you accepted them and embraced them? Today is the day. Tonight is the night. Fill out that card. Drop it off. You let us know you're interested in getting baptized. We want to follow up with you to help you start your journey with Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, for your love. God, we're just so grateful that you came down so that we could be found. Tonight, some of us need to find you, God. And I pray that if there's anyone here today and they're wondering, they're doubting, they're questioning, they would push past that and say yes to you. To say, I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross, that he rose again from the dead. And because of that, I want to give him my life and be baptized into him. Tonight's the night. Thank you, Jesus for coming down so that you can help us rise up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.